you had a hundred billion dollars sitting in Ireland for tax purposes and then the United States prints 40% more money, your hundred billion dollars just lost value. Whether we like them as giant corporate entities or whatever, they did a decent amount of work to earn that money. But they're still not making these decisions yet to invest in Bitcoin. What Bitcoin offers them, rather than doing that crazy tax loophole, simply so that you pay less on your taxes because you know that all this money that you're holding is constantly being devalued. What if instead of doing all of that ridiculousness and all those lawyers and all that stuff, what if we just bought Bitcoin and held it? Yeah. That's a lot simpler because they'll sit their bean counters down and ask the question. And if the bean counters go, it's actually a lot cheaper if we just buy $50 billion worth of Bitcoin. Is there even $50 billion of Bitcoin out there to buy? There's an infinite dollar amount of Bitcoin to buy. How much is someone willing to pay? Yeah. listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. And I'm Ian. And, and we're, we're the, the Recefis. My husband Ian is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am not. Each week he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. We have a lot of fun with it. But I'm not trying to overwhelm you with technical analysis and price targets, babe. You promise? I promise. And I promise we won't overwhelm you with ads. That's because we operate on the value for value business model. What's that? Instead of reading off a bunch of ads, we're going to keep things a little more personal, intimate, if you will. If you enjoy the show, meaning it brings you some value, consider supporting us. That support can be sharing the pot on your socials, recommending us to a friend, and yes, even sending us some money. And since I'm the Bitcoiner, I prefer Bitcoin. And you can send us some on our favorite podcasting app, Fountain. If you want to learn more about the pod, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and our about page to learn the different ways you can support the show. And if you're new here or not, make sure you check out the Satoshi Savings Calculator on the site. It's a little app that I built that enables you to set a goal for how much Bitcoin you want to acquire while also reinforcing certain Bitcoin concepts like the having and Satoshis. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show. We may make the content, but without you, all I'm really doing here is flirting with my husband in front of a microphone. Y'all ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. Hello. And hola for Brazil. And howdy for Texas. Always a good howdy for Texas. What time is it, babe? The current time is 776-202. And we are approximately 1,286 blocks since our last episode. If I gave you a dollar, how many acres could I get on sunny Bitcoin Island today? Today you could get 4,558 acres for $1 on Bitcoin Island. So price of Bitcoin for the past few weeks has like gone up and has become steady is that fair to say i mean it's it's ranging in the 20,000s now 20 to 30, 20 to 23 are people happy about it no one wants it going in the other direction fundamentally right i mean i don't mind when it does well okay but you don't mind when it does because you eventually want it to go the other direction yeah but i'm playing the long game okay so, I mean, yeah, people are people are happy. People are uh, debating whether or not this is the start of the bull run mm-hmm. that is suspected to go until the halving. And bull run meaning like it's just going to shoot up? It just keeps going up. Okay. So, we'll see. I don't really know. I, I think we got a little bit more bad news in the economy, and that'll probably just tank everything. But the bull run has to happen. Like, the halving kind of guarantees that it will happen eventually. But it could happen after the halving. When it happens doesn't really matter because 
eventually the having happens and there's just less supply in the market. Mm-hmm. So people either adjust before that date that they know is coming or they just are forced to adjust after that date. Mm-hmm. So I think the people that are in it this time are adjusting before the having. And so there's a lot of demand right now. And when the having happens, that demand is not going to go away, but the supply will go away. That is going to cause appreciation. And I'm here to appreciate it. It's time for shout outs. Our booster of the week again is Gene Everett, who topped his own high score with a mega V-Day boost. So I appreciate it. You've given me more for Valentine's Day than Ian has. So. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> and- it's going to be one of those podcasts. Okay. Uh, okay. Babe likes the competition. Um, None of this is about competition. <laughs> This is acknowledgement of Gene's actions, yeah. not a competition. Not a comparison. Um, all right. Well, we got a big boost from some of our other listeners. So our over 500 Satoshi boosts are from Alexis. Hello there. Doomed D- Amazing, Tanti Mom, and Z Bitcoiners, Valhal, Zordon, Viper, Condor1957, Pilot TomTom, Pish T- TB12, Dark Moon. Akebono, F-U-K, and Sat Stackers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the love. And if you are taking the time to give us some Satoshis, take the time to participate in our Flirting with Bitcoin challenge this week because you have, if you're listening to this, I think one day before the challenge closes. And we would love to give back to you all the love that you give back to us. So we are live living in the latest Flooding with Bitcoin challenge for Valentine's Day. Our listeners have until, what are we going to say, midnight, February 14th? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Ian's in charge. Ian's going to pick the winner. Um, Randomly select the winner who either posts on Instagram or Twitter or Nostra um, proof of Bitcoin purchase. Proof of work. Proof of work, as Ian loves to say. Um, so we'll match up to $25 on Instagram or Twitter or up to $50 if you post on Nostra. We'll pick one lucky winner overall who will get matched. But the idea is instead of buying who knows what for Valentine's Day just to be able to say, oh, I did something for my honey, buy them the gift of Bitcoin. And especially if they're not into Bitcoin, use it as an opportunity to introduce them to something that really interests you. And to perhaps make it a shared interest. So this past week, we've seen a decent number of people participate, um, way more than the Christmas challenge. So thank you to all our participating listeners. And as we said on the last episode, there's different ways that you can give someone Bitcoin. I think one person on Fountain suggested giving them uh, steel washers with the seed words imprinted in them, and then having them enter those into like a wallet and get them started, like... Like those little round things that yeah. you use for construction? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. That yeah, is yeah. pretty aggressive. <laughs> well, it's, it, it makes sense, right? Like you're if you put them on steel and the house burns down, those are going to, oh, you're going to be able to pull those out of the fire. Interesting. Right? So like, 
this goes into like, how do you protect your Bitcoin? Um, but I just thought that was like a really aggressive way to like onboard someone. Happy Valentine's Day. Here's some steel washers. Hey, you right? know your loved one better than anyone else. And if that's what it takes to get their attention, I mean, it yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what I said in the in the comments. I was like, that seems aggressive, but you know your people better yeah, than me. Yeah. But the what what we were recommending, a little less aggressive, is the Sats card by CoinKite. CoinKite's not a sponsor; they just make good products. Um, so they make a little card. It looks like a gift card, and um, you know, it, so it's not weird when you're handing someone a gift card, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that it's a different type of gift card. And this gift card has money that's probably going to be worth more in the future if you lose it in a drawer for five years. So you ordered some Sats cards how many days ago? They still haven't arrived. Just so we can give people an idea of like maybe how long it takes to arrive. Yeah, I mean, if you're ordering them when you're listening to this episode, you're not going to get them by Valentine's Day. Day yeah. Um, but CoinKite, I think they're based out of Canada. So it's technically international shipping. Okay. When I ordered some other stuff from them, it takes about, I would say, like seven days. Okay. So, you know, I mean, you can expedite it. Obviously, but I think because it's coming from Canada, there's only so much expediting you can do also. And they do like, I don't know, I've never ordered stats cards for them, but all of their stuff has like a security layer to it, right? So like, I imagine they're doing something extra. They're not just throwing stuff in a bag. Yeah. They have like a special bag that your stuff comes in that kind of proves to you that it's not been tampered with and stuff like that. So um, but CoinKite's great. Um, so like, like all things Bitcoin, it takes a little planning. It takes a little yeah, thought it, and effort. Yeah, it's not just go on Amazon and you have it tomorrow. You want someone to take that extra step to make sure that your stuff is secure when you receive it. Right? So if you still want to uh, participate in the challenge, maybe just buy yourself some Bitcoin, show that to them, explain it all, you know, just so you can get in in time and show your honey tomorrow that you know, you were thinking of them and you love them and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's it's really the thought that counts. It should be. And, you know, for our podcast, we don't have like custom sats cards. But as I said last episode, like CoinKite will make custom cards. So maybe we should just get like a stack of like Valentine's Day cards and like cards for our different challenges. And then you could buy them from our website for these different challenges that we're going to do. So right now, what do we got? Christmas and Valentine's Day? We have other hot. I mean, it could be a birthday. Norus, a regular birthday card. Norus, a bir- a birthday true. one, right? So yeah. the, the ones on CoinKite are very like Bitcoin centric. Yeah. So maybe if we had some like more fun and flirty ones on our site, mm-hmm. there's still a Sats card. Yeah. Like just, something that just says like, thank you for being so cute. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll get you that one. All right, babe, I know there's things that have been happening in the news that you want to talk about today. So I'm going to hand it over to you. What's the first one? Uh, Good old buddies at the SEC, Gary Gensler. He's been not necessarily a proponent of Bitcoin, but he's been an adversary of crypto. Yeah, like he's differentiated between other crypto and Bitcoin. If I recall, like that's how you explained it in the past. Technically, that's what he's done. But what he's really done is just point to cryptos and said, you guys are breaking securities laws. Yeah. He hasn't included Bitcoin in that bucket. Has he included Ethereum? Ethereum is in that bucket. Yeah, yeah. Right? Do you think he has Bitcoin? Gary Gensler taught a class at MIT about Bitcoin. He has Bitcoin. Okay. How much and for how long, Mm -hmm. right? Like, because part of the thing about Bitcoin 
that if you want to go down a little like not a conspiracy theory hole, but like it take is, me down the hole, babe. Well, it's not a conspiracy theory to me, right? So MIT is the place in our country where a lot of technology emerges from, right? A lot of smart kids go there. You put a lot of smart kids in a room. Ideas get knocked around. Research is done. And then of those things, a subset of them become products that you and I all use. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanford is like another one of those colleges on the West Coast, it's right? It's like a research school. Well, it's, it's a research school, but all, all schools have research yeah. in some way, shape, or form. It just... A lot of stuff comes out of MIT. And so there's definitely an MIT connection to Bitcoin, right? Now, I don't know how deep that connection runs. Maybe someone came up with Bitcoin at MIT and then released it as Satoshi Nakamoto, right? Um, Maybe someone came up with Bitcoin at MIT and the government got a hold of them and the government released it as Satoshi Nakamoto, right? Like, But the thing is, is that MIT was teaching classes about Bitcoin before anybody else was really major insti- schools. In America? In, a, or? in America, okay, right? Yeah. In the American Global, educational yeah, system, right? Yeah. When you turn on the TV and people are laughing at Bitcoin, yeah. people were teaching classes about Bitcoin at MIT. Yeah. So MIT was churning out and is churning out a decent number of people that understand what Bitcoin is. And so at the SEC, they're not treating Bitcoin the way that the media is treating Bitcoin. They understand what it is. And they're looking at it as something that people are putting their money into and that people are able to, you know, manipulate markets, all these things where they come back and they look at other cryptos and say, these are violating SEC rules. The day that Bitcoin does, we'll call Bitcoin out as well. Well, right. And that's been the main statement that Gary Gensler and the guy before him made was that we have this thing called the Howey test. If you uh, if you pass it, that means you're a security And they just kept saying, like, Bitcoin doesn't pass the Howey test. So it's not a security. There are other things. There are other things that it could fall into. Like, it's a commodity, right? Or it's currency, right? right? But it's definitely not a security. When it comes to... And that's because nobody can control it. That's because no one controls the issuance, right? Um, But when it comes to literally everything that's not Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. up to and including Ethereum, they all uh, pass the Howey test because they are controlled by somebody. And the reason why they're controlled by somebody is because they are all a project that someone said, I like what Bitcoin does, but I'd like to be in charge. And so what's happening right now? What's like the most recent thing that the SEC has gone after? So this past week, the SEC fined Kraken, which is a, an exchange like Coinbase or Binance, um, fined them $30 million for their staking as a service product. And staking as a service just means I have some crypto and I want to earn some yield on it. So I give my crypto to you, Kraken, and then Kraken would basically stake it and pay you interest on your crypto, right? SEC said you can't do that. Coinbase doesn't do this? Coinbase does do this. Huh. Yeah. So what does that mean? So, well, this is, we don't, I mean, we don't really know what this means, Um at the moment, like it can mean a lot of things. Number one, it can mean that all staking as a service products are illegal, which means everyone who's doing it needs to stop immediately. Mm-hmm. Coinbase is one of them because Coinbase is where I had my Ethereum staked, mm-hmm. right? So I know for a fact that Coinbase does this because so they, you're part of the problem. Well, no, I'm out. Like I got out of that like <laughs> last year. 
Um, but the, the the point that I'm making there is that like wait, so are they saying that alone that service is a problem, or are they saying that that service wasn't meeting the regulatory requirements that the SEC requires when you're doing something like that? I mean, a little bit of both. Because it's a thirty million dollar fine. That's actually like not a lot. It's a little bit of both, right? So if you want to read purely what they wrote down, purely what they said to Kraken is that you did not make the appropriate disclosures Got it. to people yeah. about this product, right? Oh. Um, but fundamentally, if you make all those proper disclosures, you are making those disclosures because it's a security. Yeah. So if you want to keep doing this, you have to make all these disclosures. Thus, you have to admit that what you're doing is securities fraud at the moment. Is so- it securities fraud or is it just security exchanges? It's, I mean, like fraud in the sense that you are offering a securities product and saying that it's not a security. Yeah. So that's fraud. And you're not disclosing the fact that, well, actually it is a security, but because we're saying it's not a security, we don't have to make these disclosures to you. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess we just seem to see how this all plays out. But I assume that Bitcoin people are like, hey, Bitcoin's not involved in this. Technically, Bitcoin's not involved in this. Now, there are places where you can stake your Bitcoin and earn yield. Right. So in that scenario, Bitcoin isn't the security. It's the whatever they give you back in exchange for staking. Right. So with Kraken, you would stake your uh, your ETH. Right. And they would give you back a token representing your staked ETH. Mm -hmm. And that's how you'd be able to trade back in and get your your uh, your Ethereum back that you staked. Well, that token that they gave you, that's the security. It's not the Ethereum technically that you gave them although it is right kind of okay so right? it's like fundamentally the ethereum you gave so them then to is the defense a, of uh ethereum this isn't really ethereum's fault either well this is what i'm getting at is that if you want to go strictly on what this case is about it isn't about ethereum it's about things that people are doing with ethereum right but it's kind of written in a way to say which i'm not going to read the whole document with you on the podcast right but like the way that it's written, it kind of says like, you're not making these disclosures. These are disclosures you'd have to make because it's a security. At the same time, in other conversations, they have said, all of these things are probably yeah. securities. Yeah. And we know that all of you guys have not made those appropriate disclosures. Yeah. So what's happening to Kraken in this $30 million fine, that's the bare minimum you can expect. So I think the thing that take away from this then is like regulations are coming. Well, I mean, the regulation is here. It's just not being enforced. Yeah. So enforcement is coming. Yeah. Right. And that's really. But what does that mean? Like for a regular schmo like you and me, who's interested in crypto? Well, if you're interested in crypto, which means everything. Everything, including Bitcoin, all that stuff. Like, what does this have to do with adoption? Because I hear all this stuff and I'm like, all right, so it's just a bunch of rich people who are running these like exchanges. Okay, maybe they're going to lose their jobs. They're going to get fined, whatever. But what does this have to do with like long-term crypto slash Bitcoin adoption? Well, like, those, oh, are, those are two different things. That's what I'm trying to drive at here. If you want to talk about what does this mean for Bitcoin adoption, we can talk about that. If you want to talk about what this means for like the entire crypto industry, we could talk about that. Yeah, this- but if you wedge an and yeah. in there... Then I can't really answer that question. Yeah, I get that. But is this like going to deter people from participating in crypto and move them over to Bitcoin? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think this is just something that's happening. That's just like another story of noise around this space that's 
kind of exposing that the people who run these companies are not ever acting in good faith and are just trying to make money. This isn't noise, but it sounds different to two different groups of people. So to the crypto people, it sounds like, and this is their words, not mine, sounds like they're being attacked. To the crypto people, it sounds like, oh, you're setting the stage to come after all of our crypto projects. Why do you care? Why can't you just let, you know, a thousand flowers bloom and whichever one grows the tallest and the prettiest, like how poetic we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll all go with that crypto, <laughs> right? Like it's a competition. A thousand right? flowers bloom the week of Valentine's day. Yeah. That's like an ancient Chinese. Which one gets picked. So that's like what the crypto people are hearing, right? What the Bitcoin people are hearing is number one about time, but number two, like, so staking as a service, right? Like what Kraken is getting fined for, right? That's just one on the long list of like ridiculous scams yep. in the crypto community, right? It's like that, there's NFTs, there's all the the ICOs, right? All these little scams that have happened over the past like six, seven, eight years. Anything that's a token. Anything that's not Bitcoin, yeah, right? So anything that's not Bitcoin is fundamentally, if someone was interested in crypto and you do think this is a competition and you want to let a thousand flowers bloom, fine. There's a tree growing over here. We don't care about your flowers because there's a solid oak tree that's been in the ground that's put down roots. And while it can't like support the entire planet right now, you can't step on it like all of your flowers that keep dying off every season. Every crypto season, a bunch of flowers die off, right? And so this is just another way that uh, the other cryptos are getting um, outed as not being the same thing as Bitcoin. Yeah. And fundamentally, it's that any altcoin project, any up to and including Ethereum, I literally mean anything that's not Bitcoin is fundamentally taking away from Bitcoin because anybody who's interested in crypto, Bitcoin is the original crypto. So if you're like, oh, I like Bitcoin, but it's old. So I'm going to go with the new hotness. It's like, what are you talking about? It is the newest thing in the world. Classic F-boy mentality. Exactly. So <laughs> like that's what's going on right now is if the SEC is going to start enforcing their rules that are already on the books, all those other cryptos, all this money that people have made in all those other cryptos, the hundreds of millions of dollars and all the scams and all that fun stuff, right? If all of that money was flowing into Bitcoin right now, what would the price of Bitcoin be? If everybody that was fighting over all those cryptos yeah. were all fighting only over Bitcoin, what would the price of Bitcoin yeah. be? I mean, it's inevitable. Hopefully, it might just take a really long time. But I don't really see things like this changing people's minds. I, I, I it just well, it, it doesn't change the, the the every man on the streets mind. But when it comes to large institutions deciding if they're going to put money into this space, mm-hmm. they don't want to put their money in a space where they might be doing something illegal. So when you hear the big boys like Michael Saylor saying regulatory clarity is needed, he's not saying that so that cryptos can get funding he's saying that so that once the clarity is there everyone's going to realize oh i should only put my money the in only Bitcoin. way to be legit exactly yeah and so you know corporations you know michael saylor's company owns bitcoin right tesla owns some bitcoin still on the books they are in the same position that we as individuals are in you know google tesla i mean google has more apple has more but like these large corporations have billions of american dollars that are being devalued, right? You had, uh, you know, if you had a hundred billion dollars, 
sitting in Ireland for tax purposes, right? And then the United States prints 40% more money, your $100 billion just lost value. And Google or Apple, whoever, whether we like them as giant corporate entities or whatever, they did a decent amount of work to earn that money. And then you go to sleep and you wake up and you just have less money. But they're still not making these decisions yet to invest in Bitcoin. Right. But what Bitcoin offers them is rather than doing that crazy, it's called the the, the Dutch-Irish tax loophole, simply so that you pay less on your taxes because you know that all this money that you're holding is constantly being devalued. What if instead of doing all of that ridiculousness and all those lawyers and all that stuff, what if we just bought Bitcoin and held it? Yeah. That's a lot simpler. Yeah, I, I'm with you and on so, all of that. <laughs> so like if the regulatory clarity comes where it's like it's actually in your benefit because they'll sit their bean counters down and ask the question. And if the bean counters go, it's actually a lot cheaper if we just buy $50 billion worth of Bitcoin. Is there even $50 billion of Bitcoin out there to buy? There's an infinite dollar amount of Bitcoin to buy. How much is someone willing to pay? Yeah. Because as we saw, little side note. People in Nigeria were paying over 50% more for Bitcoin in Nigeria simply because the government said you can only withdraw a certain amount of money from ATM machines. So once that came into play, people were like, well, I got to get my money out. I'll pay more for the Bitcoin because I know it's mine once I get it. Yeah. So if corporations with billions of dollars start fighting over the small supply of Bitcoin. It's game over. I can quit my job. Well, maybe. but <laughs> But the point there being is that there will always be a price point that somebody will sell it to them at. Would you sell them all your Bitcoin for $100 billion? Yes. Probably, right? Yeah. And, and they, they have it. I really, right? in that moment, you wouldn't be like, babe, Bitcoin is worth more than those dollars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell all. <laughs> I wouldn't sell all. But if they offered me $100 billion for half my stack, we're not saying no off the bat, right? Like... But the point Those is that counters will get fired once they figure out what a bad deal that is. But the point is, is that everyone <laughs> is getting that same offer at the same time. If the price of Bitcoin is a hundred billion dollars for one coin mm -hmm. or whatever it is, right? Like that's the offer to everyone. <sighs> so everyone in that moment, gets to, everyone, <laughs> I don't think that day's going to come, but yeah, everyone in that moment gets to decide, is this the price that I'll sell at? All right, babe, what else is going on in Bitcoin world? So that conversation about like demand kind of leads into this next topic, which is our, you know, our weekly Nostra segment. Apparently, yeah. We got to come up with a name for it, but it's the Nostra segment of the flirting with Bitcoin. No, no, it's the flirting with Nostra segment. <laughs> All right, babe, look at you coming up with our branding. Anyway. You don't even need me anymore. Um, I got chat GBT. Uh, <laughs> ChatGPT doesn't know what Nostra is, though. But I could tell it. Yeah, that's true. It'll it'll understand if I tell it what it is. We try to, uh, or we are trying to explore how ChatGPT can make our lives easier. And uh, Ian put in like, oh, I have a podcast. This is what it is. And he like put more information in it. And it, it was something like, uh, well, what could some, some topics that we could talk about? And everything it turned out, we've already done episodes on. Not only that, but like it literally described our podcast. Yeah, without, to a T. <laughs> yeah, like it figured out what our podcast was about very quickly. Yeah. Um, but anyway. But so, when he said, what could we say about Nostra? It was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I thought it was something else. Yeah. But its data set is from literally kind of before Nostra. Yeah. So. All right. Flirting with Nostra. Yeah. So Nostra and Bitcoin are like this symbiotic relationship that's kind of building up. And, uh, you know, we talked about before, like you could drop a lightning invoice into your different Nostra clients and some of them would render them as a big old pay button. When you click it, it would open up your wallet on your phone and you could just send money to people like that. Once people started doing that, they were like, well, this is great, but it's not really convenient, right? I just want to send money to you. Um, so then because Nostra is a protocol, people started working on a spec, uh, an NIP, a Nostra improvement proposal. And they came up with something called Zaps, which if you haven't been using Fountain, this sounds like a new idea to you. <laughs> but all it is, is boosts. It's just sending Bitcoin to someone. Well, it's a pro- it's a spec for sending Bit- Bitcoin. Like unsolicited, like unlike an invoice where you're like, hey, give me 500 sats. Exactly. It's just, hey, you can give me money. Decide how much money you want to give me and send so, it. So yeah, this past week on Domus, Will built the like first implementation of Zaps into Domus. And people were just sending money back and forth to each other, basically free of charge for I feel like it's still going on right now. If you open it up, everyone's saying zappity zap zap and all this fun stuff. But in order to do that, you have to have Bitcoin, right? So like... Like it has to link to one of your wallets. It has to link to a lightning address, right? Uh-huh. So like... And Fountain will give you a lightning address. Fountain is our lightning address, yeah. right? I don't have Domus because I'm an Android user. Uh, but Will, if you're, if you're interested in Domus, Will has put up a... Well, I think he got the money already, but he put up a, a fundraiser so he could buy an Android phone so he could build a Domus client for That's Android. That's very cute. Um, Will, if you're listening, make sure you get a Pixel. But watching people using the Zap feature, even though I didn't have it, like I was using Amethyst, right? I could still see the like Nostra conversations. I just don't have the, the Zap right, button, right? Right, right. Well, what they've actually done is that the conversation kind of moved into why do we have a like button? Why are we liking stuff? One sat should be a like. And so now what happens is that you see posts on Domus that are, that have a dollar amount associated with them. Like people have earned a certain amount. Oh, I haven't seen that. Well, yeah, because you're not really a Nostra OG. I am you're a, a fair OG. weather. You're fair weather Nostrian. How dare you? Nostrian. How dare you? I'm looking at it right now. I don't know. We'll see. I have to play around with it more. The other thing is a lot of people on Nostra right now are Chinese and your app has a translate feature, mm-hmm. but mine doesn't. And so yeah, as but you can you see, just, the majority of the feed is Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. But that's global. No one don't go to global. You're asking for a not good experience if you're in global. Yeah. So then how do I not being global? It's just people I follow. It's just people you follow. Yeah, and how do I meet people I want to follow? See, everyone's bringing their friends from their other networks. Yeah. And right now, it's all the Bitcoiners bringing all the Bitcoiners. I know. So you have people that are following you on Domus. I know, I know. Right? Okay. So And I like their stuff. I try to like stuff if they're posting. Right. Global is just nonsense. I know. Right? Which it always has been. But before the app was on the App Store, I, I got like followers and I followed people I didn't know before Mm -hmm. from the global feed, Mm -hmm. but the global feeds just like shot now. Well, everyone and their different clients are working on how to tackle the global feed. Somebody will come up with something for the global feed. Right. Um, And, and and we don't know what that's going to be yet. Right. But I would argue at the moment, the global feed is really not where it's at. What you really want is to just follow your friends that you had on Twitter. I have no friends from Twitter. Well, that's, (laughs) 
that's the obvious issue here. Yeah. Um, but the point that I'm getting at is like even how embarrassing. Even if you don't have any friends, right? Like if you share this episode on Domus on Monday, right? And I say, let's be friends. Sure. High probability that someone will zap the post. Okay. So there's a high oh, probability we'll okay. that you will, right, cool, cool, cool. someone else will see it, someone will zap it, and you will see Bitcoin flowing into your Domus. Ian account. says this, but he's going to be the one who zaps me. I can't. Because you're a good husband. Oh, you're not going to be able to? I don't have Domus. That's. This oh, is, this it's, is only only in, it's only in Domus right now. So it does kind of seem like Domus is becoming the leading app. Um, they have a slight head start on um, interest. Yeah. But I suspect that Domus is going to get caught up to real fast. Uh, they're just kind of leading the way. Yeah. And Will seems to be very, I don't think he's sleeping. I don't you know? think so either. So like, that's really who's going to get there first. But that doesn't mean that once we have a list of NIPs, right? Because they're just numbered out like NIP 01, 02, 25, right? You just go through your app and you implement every single one of them. Yeah. And then you're caught up. And the only way that you could differentiate yourself is you come with a new feature, you write a new NIP, and you implement yours first. Yeah. That's how that's how you compete on the internet on an open protocol is that, okay, we're all equal now. We all built out the same functionality. We're all interoperable. I got an idea. You propose it. You implement it in your thing. If it takes off, everyone goes, cool. I'll implement that over here. Boom. And now you made the entire ecosystem better. That's not what social media companies have done up until now. Like Twitter and Facebook have not done that. But here we have like everyone on Amethyst is like, yo, Vitter, when we get zaps? And he's like, I'm busy. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, I'll take a PR if someone else wants to write the code and implement it because it's all open source. But it's like, Everyone is trying to catch up and that's good. That's competition. And if your app becomes stale and no one's using it, that just prunes the branch and we keep going till we get the Uber, as I said the other week, WeChat client. But, All right, babe, zippity zap. <laughs> that's but, my takeaway. That's the, one of the newest Bitcoin slang out there. Zippity zap. Yeah, zippity zap. <laughs> All right, babe. Last but not least, you said you started out the show saying that this is what the whole episode is really about, which is that Bitcoin has NFTs now. Yeah. What? I think we knew this was going to happen, though, right? Like you say anything that exists on other cryptos, if there's like a high demand for it or it's shown to be something that people want, Bitcoin will eventually adopt it. Yeah, I think it's debatable if people actually want this. Right. But it can be done. So it is being done. People are still buying NFTs, right? Uh, well, people are buying these NFTs. Okay. So there's that. Are you going to buy one? No. Good. Just that was a test and you passed. No, but. I don't know. Sometimes you get excited about things. Well, here's the thing. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be very, I'm not going to go into the technical, like. Yeah, I don't care. How this works. <laughs> but the short of it is that. So we have ordinals and we have inscriptions. And an ordinal is just like keeping track of individual Satoshis as they move around, right? So like I could say there's a block of Satoshis here, one through a hundred, and 
they're a limited set <laughs> and you know do you want to buy satoshi number 21 you're like yeah so stupid. and then you're like all right i'll give give me five bitcoin and you could have satoshi number 21 right so stupid so that's an ordinal right but all of that it's because it's using bitcoin it's it's using the bitcoin protocol so it's when we say it's on bitcoin it's using the bitcoin technology it's not a new chain with its own coin right they're tracking individual satoshis and the uniqueness of those satoshis um but the other one inscriptions is uh so you know in the first block of the or maybe you don't know but- i do know there's a photo right mm-hmm. yeah cool so of the a newspaper well it's cover. not a photo it's just a string of text right? oh sorry it's a string of text that was the headline when the banks almost collapsed or the banks were um oh it it was um it was text from a headline when i think the british banks were bailed out uh, yes it's the chancellor on the brink of second bailout yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the, okay. the string of text. So they were able yeah. to attach a string of text to a Bitcoin transaction? To that block. To that block. Okay. So the, the person who mined that block, which was Satoshi, mm-hmm. right? You get to, you can add some extra data into the block. Mm-hmm. And so he put the, the text of the, okay. the newspaper of the day mm-hmm. that they mined the block. Um, but this has always been a capability. Right. So there's other things that are like inscribed. Uh, into the the Bitcoin blockchain, there's URLs. There's um, there's other texts like people wish somebody happy birthday. I think someone got like their kid's birthday. Like he got his kid's like happy birthday like on the day he was born on the blockchain, right? So stuff like that, right? Um, and maybe that's a market in and of itself. Like how much are you willing to pay to like? I'll pay whoever minds, you know, like I'll pay whoever minds the no, block. No, guys, that's stupid. No, I'm no. going to step in and say, don't do these things. I'm not saying that it's good or bad. <laughs> I know. What I'm saying is that people, you don't get to choose what people spend their money on. I know you don't get to choose, but I still, I, I feel like, you know, we can make fun of NFTs and then we hear something like that. And we're like, oh, but that's cool. That's not cool. That's still a waste. I think that's still a waste of money. That's just me. I didn't say it wasn't a waste of money. Yeah. I'm just saying that people have been putting text on blocks since day one. Satoshi did it. Um, Someone has now made a business where, uh, without getting into the technicalities of it, you can put text that represents an image, right? Mm -hmm. Or it represents some code even. And then... uh, Being like a JPEG link. kind. No, no, no. The actual JPEG. Okay. Right. Like if you take the data that comprises the photo, mm-hmm. there's a way to, through math, mm-hmm. make it a string of text and you put it on, you okay. attach it to the block. So what happens is that um, now it's in there and everyone who has a full node has that string of text on their computer if you're running a full node, but you need a client to read the blockchain to interpret that string of text as, oh, on this block, there's this image or these images, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a company, I forgot the name of it. It's not really important because I don't want to promote it, but they're using this concept to allow people to buy and sell JPEGs that are then inscribed onto the blockchain as these strings of text. And you have to use certain clients to to view your JPEGs. Um, So this just caused a massive riff in the Bitcoin community. 
because as you said, it's a waste of money, NFTs and all that fun stuff. Um, but also it's like, that's taking up space on the blockchain. Yeah, it seems like a waste of energy. Well, so uh, if that's a waste of energy, then Bitcoin's a waste of energy. Mm, I don't know. Okay, well, that's your opinion. Um, And the other opinion is that um, most of these blocks go through empty or mostly empty. So the max space of a block is three megs. Uh Uh-oh. It's three or four megs. I'm a Bitcoiner, I should know. But it's not a lot of space, right? But it's all text. So you could fit a lot of information, if it's only text, in four megs or three megs, whatever. Um, but a lot of these blocks that go through the 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 Bitcoin, the, a lot of these blocks that are mined aren't mined with a full uh, full. So when you come up with something like inscriptions, it's like, well, we're just creating value out of that empty space because now you have someone who's willing to pay to get their inscription into the block. That's the equivalent of trying to get a transaction onto the block. And as a miner of Bitcoin, I don't particularly care what the transaction is. Maybe philosophically, I care that it's not NFTs. But as a miner, I just want to process transactions because I make money off the transaction fees. I don't make money off of what's in the data. I, I make money off of you willing to pay for me to mine it. So miners uh, in like bear markets, the number of transactions go down. So they don't make as much money off of transaction fees. Miners are kind of indifferent to this because what's happened is that you've got a lot more full blocks going through. There's a lot more transactions and people are willing to pay. To, it's already happened. It's already happened. This has been oh. happening. We've seen the Bitcoin mempool get backed up a couple of times, right? It used to maybe it takes like, you know, an hour for you to get your transaction on the block. And now it's like 10 hours. Uh oh. But it's 10 hours if you don't want to pay to move yourself to the front of the line. Right. So the minimum you can pay is one Satoshi per byte. But if I want to put a subscription on and I say I'll pay two Satoshis per byte, then my random one Satoshi per byte transaction just goes to the bottom. But if you're doing it on Lightning, it doesn't matter. So inscriptions, um, they don't move across Lightning. They move on chain. And so they're taking up space on the blockchain. And people are Mm. are are mad about this um, for philosophical reasons. I think if it was using this technology for something other than JPEGs, people wouldn't be bad. Right. Like, I think they're mad about what the data actually is, not about the fundamental capability of the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. Because and I, NFTs are so stupid. Like the NFT world right now is so stupid. It's in a way, it's like the NFT world's like last hurrah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like, OK, it didn't work on any of those other blockchains yep. for various reasons, mm-hmm. mainly like their economics of those blockchains just don't make sense. So what if I do NFTs on Bitcoin blockchain? At least the economics of the Bitcoin asset makes sense. And the way that things are mined makes sense. So like if people are willing to pay what it costs to move an NFT from one address to another as show of ownership, right? Like we know that the Bitcoin blockchain does that. It's been doing that for 14 years. It's just that what it's been moving is only the BTC asset. And now it's moving strings of text that represent images and that everyone has access to. 
Well, everyone has access to, but like, unless you install a client to actually view them, you don't even know that it's there. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you what blocks have images on them. Yeah, I know. But still, it's like, I don't, the whole thing just seems like the way that you just phrased it. It's like their last hurrah. The, fun- the functionality itself, you can use it to do that with any type of document. One of the things that I saw the other day was like, okay, well, this is dumb, but what about like titling property? Yeah, but you're just putting text there, right? Or is it like an attached PDF? Like, like fundamentally, can't you just put anything in there? And it's not like anyone else is verifying it as like true or accurate. Right, right. right. So the, the the like I could just say like Ian sucks <laughs> and inscribe that. That doesn't mean Ian actually sucks. <laughs> it just means that's what I put in there. That example isn't remotely <laughs> like what what we're talking about. Would I get sued for slander? No, like that would be considered graffiti. Yeah. Right? Like if you want to think as an earlier example, if you want to think of Bitcoin as like a, a tree, mm-hmm. right? And all these other cryptos are flowers, right? Well, these like... Ins- I mean, I think it's true. I'm trying to warn everyone. What do you mean? What if I say Ian's cute? Is it still graffiti? Yes. I think this is like a, a good like, example for what's going on. So I used the example earlier of like Bitcoin being a tree relative to all of these crypto flowers, right? Now what these inscriptions are is like someone comes along and etched in the tree, Ian is cute. Still a tree. It's going to keep growing. We see trees all over the world that got John loves. But it'll always be there at the bottom. But it'll always be there. But that's true for anything that they're inscribing. The happy birthday message for someone's kid when they're born. Yeah. That's graffiti. Yes. this This is what I'm getting at, right? Okay. Now, imagine a world that if we lived in a world where you couldn't see any graffiti unless you put on a specific pair of goggles. So all the graffiti that we see across the city, sure, if you didn't have goggles on, you couldn't see it. Is it graffiti? I understand that. But what I'm saying is, where is there additional value to it being on the blockchain beyond it just being there? Like something being inscribed does not mean that it's an official thing. It just means someone paid to have it be inscribed. Right. But this is, so just because it's on the blockchain doesn't make it official. Mm -hmm. But if I build a system that relies on the blockchain as its database, then my system is going to surface all of these JPEGs, all of these images, all these birthday wishes, right? And if only my system knows how to look across the blockchain and find them, then it is official in my system. This birthday message was purchased by this person on this date. Here's where it is on the blockchain. If you want to show it to your child in the future, right? Like that's what makes it official. But like if I just am scrolling through the blockchain data and I see happy birthday, John, maybe it's a random person who worked at a Bitcoin mining company that just slapped that on there at the end of a transaction, right? Because they just had the block space to do it. You don't have access to the context of that inscription. You don't have access to the context. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess so, this is the beginning of it, but I, for me, I'm just like, whatever. So the point here would be like, like I said, the example I was giving a second ago, or I was about to give is like official documents, right? So titling property, right? Like you own this amount of acreage or you own this house or this car or whatever property you want. And there's a title that says you own it. Well, as we all know, like we live in a pretty stable country for the moment. But there's plenty of countries that have been destabilized and people have just lost property because the records were destroyed, 
right? And no one knows who owns what, mainly because the people that destabilized the place destroyed all the records because they planned on stealing everything anyway. Yeah. Right? So if you inscribe things on the blockchain. Like a picture of the title? No, like the official document. So right now, the title to your car, for example. Yeah. Is it, when you say the official document, is it a PDF? Is it a photo of it? Is it the text of it? Because how is no, that no, 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 still no, no. confirmed? That's, this is what I'm asking. I, how I'm, is that still confirmed as like a real thing? I'm, I'm trying to explain. Okay. So the title to your car is a piece of paper. Yep. Right. With a seal stamped mm-hmm. on it. Right. Now, technically, that is the title. Right. There is a record in a database somewhere, but that record only exists so that you can go in, show your identification and they'll print out a new title for mm-hmm. you and stamp but it. But I could hand someone my title and that becomes their car. Exactly. Yep. Right. Okay. So the piece of paper is the actual title. Okay. Instead of a piece of paper that could be lost and Vandana never goes to the DMV and never gets a new title for her car, that title for that car could exist on the blockchain. There's no paper. Because the DMV and my state decided that's how they're issuing titles going forward. They decided that the official record for the item exists on a blockchain that no one controls, but the DMV, just like you and me, can inscribe stuff on there. Now, I don't encourage them to do this. They don't seem like they have the technical capabilities <laughs> to pull this off. I'm just using this as like a... So like they, their system would say this this person is tied to this title, which is on this transaction in the blockchain. Something like that. Yes. And then You're when just, it was time, if they wanted to transfer to someone else, they would have to change the assignment in their own system. So close. So close. See, this is where it's the old world thinking versus the new. No, I'm well, what are they? Do they do a new transaction on the blockchain? So what I reinscribe that. But isn't the old one still showing up? So the old one is still on there. But if you inscribe a new transaction on the blockchain at a different block height, that is now the record. That supersedes. We have a blockchain numbering system. But you have to go, no, it'll go look for it. So the, 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 the system that's off the blockchain, like the DMV system, mm-hmm. has to be the one that's ultimately storing that information. Well, obviously there would be a transition period where that would be true. But fundamentally, what I'm getting at here, what I'm trying to get at is that inscriptions can lead to a world where you don't need the government to manage who owns what. That's what this is like the gateway drug right, well, for. Well, maybe, yeah. I don't know. So like it starts with. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but this, but babe, like the government didn't always do this. Their DMV didn't always exist. Yeah. People owned cars before the DMV. People bought and sold cars before the DMV, Right. Then they created this entity that says, unless you go through us, you don't own this car. That's new. Yeah, that's <laughs> physical property. This is, I get that you're like seeing something maybe a hundred steps before I am, but I don't know. I don't really think it's a hundred steps before you. I think this is a very simple, go look at how things operated before we built the interstate highway system. And we could go back to- But a those world. are physical things. That's different from something that's- online and you're but we're talking about the title for a car we're, we're just talking about the title for a car we're just talking about who owns a car yeah the and title I'm, is the new thing but the actual car and who has it 
is who's owning it. Right. But the title. So someone stole your car. They owned it then. Like before titles existed. Sure, sure, sure. Or but, let's just say horses. Like it doesn't have to be. Yeah. People would brand their horses. Yeah. To identify as ownership. That's what they did for physical things. Yeah. But they could still steal your horse and then it's their horse. Right. Stealing your horse is different from proof of ownership. So if the government's job is to protect your property and you can prove that it's your property, how you prove that it's your property is different from how you get your property back. So like if someone does steal your car and you go to the police station and they're like, help, someone stole my car. They're like, okay, is it yours? And you produce a title. They'll say, yes, this is your car. We will go retrieve it for you and bring it to you. Fundamentally, that's what the police are supposed to do. All I'm saying is that the way that you prove to the police that it's your car will change. Everything else still works the same. Yes, your car can still get stolen. (laughs) Your horse can still get stolen, right? People can still steal your stuff. But how you prove that it's yours is a little bit more durable and a little bit more, oh, let me go pull out the title from my safe. It's like, no, I have all my property digitally managed and I can pull up the title from my car anywhere in the world. I don't need to rely on a piece of paper in a safe to prove that I own something. And so that's what I think can change. And I think that a lot of government functions of like record keeping, their only reason for existing is the record keeping part. And if we can replace all of that record keeping with a unified, uh, agreed upon, not controlled by anyone method of record keeping. (laughs) Unified, agreed upon, not controlled by anyone. (laughs) Good luck. Right. And I'm not saying that part's going to happen anytime soon. But I do think that like when we talk about JPEGs and NFTs, um, yes, I think that's silly for many reasons, but there are legitimate things that we do today that could be translated into this concept. And the implications for those pretty, pretty intense that I don't think the United States is going to do. But I do think that there's a small country somewhere on this planet that's going to do some of these things. Or even a company. I mean, a company, they, they're already, they don't, they don't need that. Like a company doesn't need that. They have databases. They can manage who owns whatever. Like they don't need blockchain technology for that. Yeah, but they might want to experiment with it. They might. And I'm sure people will make other type of inscription companies and they'll try to inscribe other stuff. And then that'll just cause more people to compete over the fundamental layer one blockchain. And that'll move all of these mostly Bitcoin transactions that used to be on chain Move them all to lightning. And now everyone's zapping. Zippity zap. All right, babe. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, yada, yada. There's a Rihanna concert tonight. I'm really excited about it. Great. You might know it as the Super Bowl, but it's really a Rihanna concert. And I assume that even all of our international listeners are going to tune in to watch her perform. I care about both equally. (laughs) Do you think? (laughs) Not at all. Really? You don't care about the Rihanna concert? I understand Rihanna is a performer that people love. She's also a billionaire. I'm happy for her. Do you think she has Bitcoin? I, I I don't know Rihanna, so I can't really. I do. I think she has Bitcoin. Maybe. She's international, baby. Maybe. She's, she's moved those funds. She knows the difficulties, the challenges. I will say this. I don't know if Rihanna has Bitcoin, but I do think that in about 15 to 20 years, we're going to find out who really had Bitcoin during all of this. Do you think Drake has Bitcoin? Again, I... You don't know him like that? I think that... I've, I've said this before on the pod. And I'll say it again. I think Bitcoin is an intelligence test. Mm-hmm. 
So if you're asking me, do I think Drake has Bitcoin? You're really asking me, do I think Drake is? Do I think Drake is intelligent? Mm -hmm. I think Drake is intelligent. I just don't know if Drake has like the time you need to sit down and learn about Bitcoin. Does Drake understand Bitcoin and own a bunch of it because he understands it? Probably not. Same answer for Rihanna. But does someone work for them who understands how money works mm -hmm. and is like, yo, I think you should buy at least like 1% mm -hmm. of your net worth in Bitcoin. Like, I think that's possible. What about Jay-Z? He's not a businessman. He's a businessman. I mean, Jay-Z, I fundamentally believe that Jay-Z has Bitcoin because he has business with Jack Dorsey. Okay. And so Jack Dorsey and Jay-Z are doing title. And Tidal has been trying to figure out how to pay artists differently. Mm -hmm. And it's sounding like probably this year or next year that Tidal is going to have zaps directly to artists. That means Beyonce has Bitcoin. Again, same answer. I know, yeah. I yeah. don't know if Beyonce has any business with Jack Dorsey. But all I'm saying is that if Jack Dorsey puts zaps into Tidal where you can send money directly to Rihanna... It's she, not, she doesn't need it, but I'm yeah. <laughs> aspiring, aspiring artists. Yeah, aspiring yeah. artists, right? So the new Rihanna, because yeah. eventually these these all they all retire. No, well, Jay Z keeps new, retiring. We don't need a new Rihanna. We have Rihanna. Okay, new superstar. Yeah. 18 year old coming up in the world. Um, just put out their first banger. Everyone's like, they're the next Rihanna. And they just go, eh, 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 eh. And people are like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's me. I love her. Yeah. But yeah, that could be the way to support them. So, but, um, but the 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 point I was getting there is that like I think that the next big superstar is going to be made because of Bitcoin. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Because if Jack, think if you think about this for a second, right? Like, it's going to be made because of Bitcoin, or yes. is going to make their money in Bitcoin? It's going to be made because of Bitcoin, and here's why: if Jack Dorsey figures out how to turn title into the place where all the artists want their work to go. They already have a setup where you own your masters if you go through titles and stuff and through title. Like title is trying to be the artist friendly platform. Mm -hmm. They keep getting made fun of and they keep getting all this like negative publicity because you know Spotify and Apple Music are just eating their lunch, right? Mm -hmm. But fundamentally title is trying And to I would argue it's a black owned business. Like immediately people were like, who is Jay-Z to make this? I mean, there was just so much anti Jay-Z, Beyonce, title propaganda that came out when they launched that whole system. It was wild. Yeah, I mean, you could argue if people don't understand the music business, then it's very easy to say, like, we don't need another Spotify. We don't need another one, and they're rich. Why are they trying to make more money? Whereas, like, do you know how much money Spotify makes? <laughs> so, like... Uh, like what? what they're trying to do at title is basically what Bitcoin is doing to the banks. It's removing that middleman. They're trying to. For years, yeah. They're trying to. I and see a lot of title links on Nostra. Yeah. It's interesting. Because Jack Dorsey's there. Mm -hmm. So Jack Dorsey is promoting Nostra. He's promoting Bitcoin. I mean, I installed title on my phone. There was like a big thing the other day on Nostra about title and I installed it. It's like, it is what it is, but mm -hmm. I don't pay for music. So like, yeah. I'm not paying. Do they have a free account? I mean, they do, but like, it just, I wanted to check it out um, to see what was going on. Yeah. Point is, is that. Uh, in their marketing, when you sign up, they are really adamant about how the artist is getting paid. Yeah. So I think that there's going to be some artist that blows up, whether you think he's a plant or not, Justin Bieber style, right? Just off of YouTube or whatever. They're going to put all their stuff on title. It's going to blow up on title. 
And all of these kids with their Bitcoin are going to be zapping this guy like one penny, two penny, 20 cents, 30 cents, whatever. It's not going to be a lot of money. But if that's the only place you can hear the hot song and every time you listen, you either send a little bit of money and or you set it up just like Fountain. As I listen, I just stream one sat per minute. Like how many how many times has Bad Bunny been played today? I'll give him all my money. He deserves it. So that's why he just bought an eight million dollar house. So he's doing real good. He just took out an eight million dollar mortgage. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my point when I say the next star is going to be made because of Bitcoin. It's going to be because that person goes from nothing to having money without the middleman of a label. Now with all your money, which is Bad Bunny. Sure, but now with all your money. You don't need to ask your label to fund your tour. Mm-hmm. You need to find someone who can put a tour together for you and you're paying yeah. for it, right? That inversion where you don't start in debt. Here's hoping. That's why there was so much pushback against title because what Jay-Z was really saying is that artists should not start out in debt. Yeah. And if you can pay them differently over here on title, then maybe they can get out of debt and or not start off in debt very early on in their careers. And like own their music from the beginning because bringing it back to Rihanna, if you are a fan of Rihanna and you listen to her music in the beginning and you listen to the music now, you can like very clearly tell that she was not making music that she wanted to when she started out. It was only when she became a megastar that she was able to put out music that like she herself liked. And it sounds so different. She was like a little pop princess to begin with. Yeah. So she's like the perfect example. So, yeah, I think obviously I'm a super fan for Rihanna in case in case it wasn't clear until now. But now that she's a billionaire, it does kind of rub me the wrong way because you just don't like successful people. No, I just don't think people become billionaires without oppressing a lot of other people. And not to go too off topic, but she has this lingerie loungewear company uh, and it is an incredibly predatory pricing model that I actually had to fight with her customer service to get out of. So it's one of the reasons why she became a billionaire was the establishment of that company. So while I love her, I also hate her. Well, that's silly. I know. Love is love, babe. She's an artist. She's not a clothing manufacturer. She is a clothing manufacturer. No, she's not. Yes, she is. It's her clothing company. You're telling me that Rihanna is in there stitching the stuff together? It's her... It is she her could, clothing company. She could own it. She runs it. She does a huge fashion show every year for it. It is her brand. It's her company. She has a couture version of the line. Yes. Right. I know. It's hard to believe, but... I believe what you're saying. I just don't think you're hearing me. Rihanna is a musician. No, she has not put out new music in years. That's why this concert's such a big deal. But from Rihanna, we can take it to Beyonce, because while Ian did not... Get me anything for Valentine's Day. I didn't need him to because I got Beyonce concert tickets for her American tour. I don't know how I pulled it off. I didn't even have to get resale tickets. She did something to prevent that from happening. So she has... It's called everyone being broke. She has centralized Ticketmaster sales, something Taylor Swift couldn't do. (laughs) But I have tickets to... Beyonce this summer. So I love Ian for not coming with me to this concert and me being able to go with my friends instead. <laughs> what a what a lovely Valentine's gift that is to me. I have no desire to go to a concert 
with that many screaming women. Oh my goodness. It's going to be, it's going to be a chore going out to this, but. Sounds like a lot of work to go listen to music. It is a lot of work, but what are you going to do? It's Beyonce. She's doing all right. As you just said. She is doing all right. I know. Is she going to miss you if you don't go? She doesn't even know I exist. Exactly. I used to go, I saw Beyonce when she was, she was still well known, but it was like right after Destiny's Child. And I think I spent like $55 and I had amazing seats to like a small venue and I saw her but since then I like I couldn't bring myself to go but now everyone loves Beyonce you know like 10-15 years later so I'm like oh my god you're not gonna go when all my other friends are going parable of life if all your friends jump off a bridge will you too Mm-hmm. And my answer is yes. If Beyonce's at the bottom. If Beyonce's at the bottom. <laughs> but coming back to Bitcoin, I think the next generation, the Michael Jackson, the Beyonce, whatever you want to call it. Rock star. They're not going to need Pepsi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hope not. Like, I'm because, done with these endorsements. Because Beyonce, to your point, kind of like once she got that Pepsi deal, let's say once she got but like there's certain milestones in an artist's career. Yeah. And like Pepsi is like one of them. Yeah. The Super Bowl is another one, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like they're doing these things to get famous so that they can sell the tickets and make the money, right? But I argue that with Bitcoin and Lightning and Zaps, they might have all the money they need and not have to do any of that. Because everything that we try to do to give an artist money these days, there's a middleman. You either got to buy a ticket or an album. And then you're censored. In some way or another. And then you, you're you being told what music to make because, oh, I don't know if people want to hear that. Right? Well, I mean, and like, so, again, with tonight, with this Rihanna concert, <laughs> Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it, Rihanna's music is naughty. And so I'm really interested to see what she does. I'm sure she's going to push the limit. She does not care. Her music is not family friendly. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But no matter what, you know, she was given parameters and that's yeah. not something that she's usually used to. I mean, her songs, <laughs> the title of her songs have so many cuss words in them. So it'll be interesting. She's not as clean cut as these other acts that, that go out there. But oh. she's Rihanna. Like at a certain point, her star power, it breaks through. And I haven't seen this much hype for a halftime show in a really long time because she has she hasn't put out music in a, in a couple of years. She's been focusing on her businesses. If people are more excited for the Rihanna concert than the game that's being played around it, I think that says a lot about the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think these like things like, oh, the Super Bowl is really a Rihanna concert and all this fun stuff. I think all that's very close to changing, a lot closer than I think people are willing to realize. Um, the Super Bowl this year after last year's debacle has said no cryptocurrency commercials. So that's just one year later. Yeah. Right. So like as a wise man once said, not all money is good money. Mm-hmm. And so even the NFL, probably one of the most corrupt organizations in this country, was like, nah, we don't want that money. Mm-mm. Like, what? Okay. So, yeah, I think that, like, there's big changes on the horizon in, like, how things work, especially when it comes to talent and the people who appreciate their talent and all the middlemen that sit between the people who appreciate the talent and the talent. I think with Bitcoin and Lightning and Zaps, it's all going to disappear. You and I are already ahead of the curve with Fountain. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about this when we were like talking about recording today and I knew we were going to be talking about zaps. And I was just like, zippity zaps. I was like someone on our pod, like asked like, what is a zap or someone somewhere asked like, what is a zap? And I was like, it's just a fountain boost. And they were like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like I've already been doing that for Mm -hmm. a year, 
But because there was no Nostra and everyone was having this Bitcoin conversation on Twitter and not everyone, a Bitcoiner was on Fountain, this idea of just like, there's a place where you just push a button and send Bitcoin. Like, whoa, when we get to that world, I'm like, we've been in that world. So I just think we got to come up with some naming conventions. Like I've been saying, babe, I'm an OG. So like, <laughs> you know, Domus is calling them zaps. Fountain calls them boosts. Probably some other. We can call them smooches. We could. Um, Keep but that, it flirty. Would, that would require us to have our own platform and app and all that fun stuff. But the point is, is that like I can say thanks for the smooches. We've been doing this for a year and we got it. Yeah, we got it right away. Yeah, we did a whole episode about it. People came in on Domus. They got it right away. Right. So now it's just a matter of anytime someone experiences that one concept, the odds of them not getting that are very low. And then you say, how is that possible? It's possible because of Bitcoin and because of Lightning, because of Nostra. And I think there's a 12 year old making beats in his basement that's going to be releasing them on Nostra. And some 12 year old rapper is going to be like, yo, that beat was fire. And they're going to create Let's a collab. And they're going to do it all over Nostra. No cap. They're going to do it all over Nostra. <laughs> He'll pay him for the beat, right? Everything yeah. will happen over Nostra. Everyone gets paid fairly. Mm-hmm. We're all going to hear the music. And there's not going to be any Universal, Sony, Warner Brothers. They're not going to be involved in it. And we're all going to be jamming out to two 12-year-olds that just made, you know, made a hot song in their basement. Yeah, but in all re- in all seriousness, Bad Bunny led that the way for that. I mean, I'll take your word for that. Take my word for it. Our listeners know. We got a lot of Spanish-speaking listeners. They know the phenomenon that is Bad Bunny. And he did all of that on his own. I just don't think he did it with Bitcoin. We don't know. We don't know. know. Bad Bunny, if you're listening. If you're listening, hey, happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Love you, Bad Bunny. Shout out to our listeners. I hope you guys have a great week. We'll catch you next time.